Yes. So, can one of you take me to the library? I feel like reading about Peru. Oh. That's just a taste of what is to come on Hostra's morning wake-up call, 88.7 FM, WRHU, and streaming live on WRHU.org. Wherever you got that Wi-Fi signal, we will find you at WRHU. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you get your podcast, we appreciate you for listening to the morning wake-up call every single week. Eddie Fitz here on the Monday show. It's not Matt McDermott, but Nathan Ritchie. Still here, still in the building, keeping the mics fresh. How are we feeling today, Mr. Rich? I'm feeling great. Um, I, uh, I'm just making sure, uh, keeping the show going. Um, uh, yeah, just that. Um, I'm you not just, you're not tired. feeling good about top place Chelsea? I'm feeling great about that. I was, I was waiting for you to ask, and I'm very glad you asked. Oh, I, of I'm, course. <laughs> I'm enthused uh, by how we're doing uh, this year. And I'm enthused to just talk soccer in general for 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 once on the morning show, uh, and I'm I'm glad to have a, a fellow, a fellow uh, footy, footy yeah, yeah right, uh, a fellow London London football club fan, um, uh, of course Tottenham, which is doing slightly less. They're not doing uh, great. They're not doing great. Right. Yeah. I will say that. <laughs> uh, and, and it is nice because, you know, it was a great. I will say it's not been great for Tottenham, but their last five haven't been too, too bad, I will say. Uh, But speaking of recent success, it's been great on Hofstra's campus uh, with soccer, Nathan. I I mean, the the women's team is second round bound in the NCAA tournament after going two up. They have a lightning delay. And then Mary Taylor comes right. out of the lightning delay. It, like, not even the gods could stop this Hofstra women's soccer team this weekend. It was an absolute thrashing. I was there. It was so cool. The the the, the crowd was electric uh, for until the lightning delay. But, right. like, it was still a great game. And then the men's team this weekend as well. They, uh, they, they're they CAA champs. Both were just absolutely scintillating uh, this weekend. Uh, and uh, shout out to both of them for for the work they've been doing. Uh, again, the women's soccer team consistently great year after year, um, and Miri Taylor as well. But awesome. uh, with with their performance, they play. So their second round opponents will be South Carolina. Correct. Yes. Yes. Uh, and of course, they they beat Providence. Uh, as for men's soccer, uh, they find out at one. Oh, I know. That was, that was amazing. Uh, so it ended 3-2 yep. uh, against Elon. Um, again, Matt Vowinkle with two goals. Yeah, four goals in the tourney. I know. It's crazy. Uh, he's, a, he's an absolute machine. Uh, but unfortunately, I couldn't make it to either of those games. But I, w- where I was on Sunday was the rugby game. Let me tell you about the rugby game. Oh that yeah, they they had they they had an absolute thrashing. They had a great showing. Yeah, out. yeah, yeah. They, they I think the scoreboards weren't up for some reason in this in the stadium, so no one knew what was going on. But <laughs> nonetheless, it was a fun it was a fun time. Uh, we won by about six, and we we scored within the final seven minutes to advance onto. Uh, the next round, which they'll be in Boston this next weekend, playing uh, in the second round of the national playoffs. Um, and if they win Saturday, if they win this Saturday, uh, they will advance to Sunday and then so on and so forth. They'll play in Texas if they can get past this next weekend. So it'll definitely be interesting for them. 
Oh, uh, we'll definitely man. be watching on. And, and uh, men's basketball, Speedy Claxton's first oh, yeah. win. Congratulations to Coach Clax. Uh, it's a momentous time to be a part of the Pride. And you can hear all about Hofstra Pride Sports right here on 88.7 FM WRHU. Now that all of that little weekend, you know, small talks out of the way, let's jump in. We have a great show for you guys lined up. We're going to be talking a little bit about the Kyle Rittenhouse news uh, that is coming. Closing arguments are today. But first, you heard it at the top of the show. Atticus Schaefer stopped by uh, and had a conversation. We talked a little bit about what it was like playing Brick on the middle and what he's up to now in his Twitch career. The bully might be winning right now, but my time will come. Time will come. So I've decided from now on, I want to spend every moment I can with the things I cherish most. So I'll be in my room with my books. Try not to bother me. Hello, everybody, and welcome to an interview with one of the most interesting names in media. His name is Atticus Schaefer, and you might remember him from an ABC show called The Middle. He played Brick Keck. If you need any type of, of reference, uh, he was the one who whispered to himself, uh, Atticus, it is a pleasure to have you on the program, just as Atticus and not as Brick Heck, thank you so much for coming on, man. My man, thank you so much. It's such a it's such a pleasure for me to be here. This is great. And Atticus, uh, you know, you have taken a break from that entertainment industry, and that is something that I think is really interesting. You have started your own gaming and uh, YouTube and Twitch channels in which you just play video games hang out with some followers and just uh have good times is there uh you want to talk a little bit about some of your work in uh gaming and youtube and and twitch and sort of that journey for you absolutely man you know it's it's funny you you bring up about taking this kind of pseudo hiatus from the entertainment industry and unfortunately this is something that many actors and actresses have had to do um, COVID was one of those situations that really revealed to everybody that no one is immune from large scale situations that might come up. Um, I think that many times people think that those of us in the entertainment industry, and I would even venture to say many people who are in the entertainment industry think that they are untouchable from things that are in life. And it just simply is not true. Um, you know, we have to obey restrictions. We are not immune people to anything. And so uh, Hollywood did shut down for really everybody uh, moving forward. And Hollywood has greatly changed since last year when COVID reared its ugly head. So it was a situation where I was in a position of, okay, uh, there, I'm not working simply because there is no work. And the, the, the little bit of work that is going on, you're talking about big budget things that are already established and um, moving forward, things like Young Sheldon or SWAT, things like that. And the, the amount of protocol that they have to go through on shows like that is, is truly nightmarish and adds a whole new expense to projects like that. So I was able to do uh, in the 
course of this last year, I've been able to continue with a few different voiceover jobs because it seems like animation um, work and voiceover work is inherently kind of protocol friendly, right? Um, you don't really have to be amongst a bunch of people. You're not amongst a big crew of 250 people. Um, you can be isolated and safe and many times do your work from home. So that's been a huge blessing being able to do that. Um, but I, I started to look at everything and go, okay, I am by no means rich. Uh, I definitely have to keep working. I can't be Justin Bieber and retire at 19, right? So it was one of those situations where I'm sitting back and going, well, I might have to get a job at GameStop <laughs> or something <laughs> just to keep right. just to keep things going, you know, pay the bills and, and put bread on the table and all that stuff because it's just my mom and I. So when when I started looking at that, I started to, I started to look back and go, okay, well, what's a passion that I have? And one of the passions that I have is being a creative person, obviously. That's how I became an actor and, and got involved in this sort of industry. But I said to myself, well, what, what are the skill sets that I have that I'm qualified to do? And how can I take that and put it into something that I have a passion for? And one of the things that I remain passionate about is being a viewer of some of my own favorite content creators on YouTube and Twitch. Matter of fact, when I wasn't doing my studies on set after I graduated high school, that was how I spent my time in between scenes. You know, you're able to shut your brain off and, and kind of just relax for 10 minutes in between shots. Okay, what's what's Meat Wagon 22 up to? You know, what's Operator Drewski up to? And, and kind of check them out and see what's going on and then go from there. So I said to myself, well, you know what? This is an area that I know and I can take what I learned from my time in the industry and apply it to this. In my opinion, and this is this is between you, me, and the viewers, uh, online is where it's at as far as entertainment. And the entertainment industry has known this for some time, and they've really been doing a lot of work to uh, transition over to that. And you see that now more than ever. Apple TV, uh, Disney Plus, Amazon services, Hulu, Netflix, everything. And the thing that YouTube and Twitch have at their disposal is the ability to be live and have people actually interact with the people that they're friends that they're they, they're fans of they follow, and so I started out on YouTube uh, YouTube channel of Attica Schaefer vlog shameless plug. And, no doubt, no doubt. Right? You can plug whatever it's, you want. It's what we do. Uh, absolutely, it's free. It's, it's free do. real estate here. <laughs> exactly, man. No, so Attica Schaefer Vlogs, my YouTube channel, and um, I, I kind of lightly touched it uh, for the entirety of my having it when I was on the show. Did a couple funny skits that I thought would be funny and, and people seemed to have a good response to. Wanted to make a couple like Christian talks because I, I am a Christian. That's a big part of who I am is my faith. So, you know, did different things things like that from the perspective of a person my age and having those as the parenthetical. And then I said to myself, well, let me do some gaming videos. And I did and got a little bit of a following. And as I started researching, it just appeared to me that Twitch was a much more user-friendly space because I could be live and interact with people directly. Uh, but I could, it, it also ended up becoming lucrative more quickly. And it seems like the algorithm of Twitch does more for the content creator versus YouTube. YouTube still does, but you have to get lucky on YouTube. Whereas Twitch, if you put in the hard work, you reap a, you reap a reward, which I liked. So transition over to Twitch. And ever since then, man, it's just been finding new ways of, of building the brand and growing that. My Twitch channel is also at a Schaefer vlog. Follow me on there. 
And uh, yeah, man, it's just been this amazing journey ever since. And and I've been very blessed to have an amazing community that's very supportive. Um, of course, you get a, a large percentage of those people who are fans of things like The Middle and The Lion Guard and Frank and Weenie and Hancock. And all of that is stupendous because I love that there's something that draws them in. But then now I'm able to uh, show people who I really am and kind of hang out with them in that way. And the response and the support from the community um, for me as me has been just stupendous. Once again, we're talking with Atticus Schaefer. Uh, and Atticus, I have to talk about it because uh, for the past like maybe like four or five months on HBO Max, I have just been binging the middle. And it is... <laughs> It is, because I watched the show with my family. We sat down 8 p.m. on Wednesdays on Tuned In yes. every single time on ABC. And uh, watching it for a second time now that I'm older and because uh, I watched it whenever I was in like middle school, high school age. For sure. And I was like, man, like this is just like it's a great family comedy. And I, and I want to talk about the importance of doing kids and family content correctly. Uh, because yes. on the internet, it can be really difficult with uh, the Spider-Man and Elsa videos of the YouTube kids uh, section going rampant. And uh, where there can be just these like unfiltered, endless scrollings on TikTok that can cause people to fall down rabbit holes and, and be really tricky. Has there ever been something or like a moment where you look at a script or a role or a show and be like, Yes, that is them doing it correctly, uh, is what I'm asking. Are you talking about in reference of the show, like the middle, or just as a whole? Well, I mean, you could use it as uh, the middle as a springboard. Like, I don't know if there was anything that you guys did specifically on the show to make it, like, just make sure that it had that family feel that could be relatable uh, to everybody, but also not just too over the top and zany for the kids, but still heartwarming and, and, and that nougaty center that we all love at the end of the 22 minutes. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. No, that com makes complete sense. I think too, uh, you know, exactly as you said, it's very difficult or it's not very difficult. The reality is, is it's not difficult, but I think that there have been people who have made it difficult to um, cater to what people actually want. There is a group of people who absolutely love the CW, um, Marvel, DC type of shows, and even more so things that are on Netflix like The Punisher, um, Marvel shows like that, or Game of Thrones and whatever. There is an audience for that type of, of, of uh, storytelling, but it's not for everybody. And you end up niching yourself and you niche your project even more by thinking that you need to keep in that category simply to appease a specific group of people. Um, what made the middle so great is the fact that it is relatable because they were taking real life situations, really all of us, actors, writers, producers, directors, you're taking real life, real world experience and crafting it into a story. Yes, there's certain elements that they, they hyped up a little bit because of the comedy aspect, which you need to do. I, in my opinion, sometimes in real life, um, absurd moments do get blown up in our own minds as we, as we experience them. Uh, so for me, even there, that was, that was like the drawing in reality again. But I think what, what we really did is the fact that we, we chose to focus on 
relatability and real world issues. It wasn't a situation where it was like Roseanne, where, oh, here's this problem, let's just have them win the lottery and therefore it solves the problem. Um, it's not like some of those older shows that while they had an interesting plot point, it started to spin out in all these different sub stories. It, it focused on the family and real family issues. And, and especially for me, um, Brick was a character who really, when I came into the project, he was only outlined. You had the silhouette that was loosely based on Eileen Heisler's son, Justin, and that's about it. I came in and started working with the writers and the directors to actually build and craft a real character, a character that for the audience you could see, you could touch, you could feel, you could relate to, etc. And I think that um, across the board is one of the things that really made the show great is the character development that we could do now. And, and even in that, I definitely think that there could have been more done to make it even better than, than what it was, but for what it was, um, we ended on a relatable show that stayed true to that relatability for the most part through and through the project. No, it absolutely holds up. There are, there are things and moments today within that show that are amazing. And, Specifically talking about the character Brick, uh, yeah. when you watch him grow and you watch the awkwardness turn into semi-awkwardness, turn into just general uh, tween confusion of trying to figure out how to put on deodorant, but also right. like get to the school dance on time, and like, but also you fell in love with the celebrity match game for a week, and like are making your parents like just like play. Uh, like GSN games in the living room. And, yes. and so I want to like specifically like the whispering thing, right. was very yes. prevalent in season one. It was something that was sort of a crux, like uh, or, or a crutch for the show uh, to sort of rely on. But then like, as like Brick grew, like grew up, it like just, it started to phase out and you could see it like as I'm going. And I was always wondering like, was that your decision? Was that a writer's decision? Because, like, Brick could have easily just had the whisper thing forever, right? And then yes. eventually, like, he's got to, like, but people have to grow, right? Well, you know, that's such a good point. So to answer the question, it was not my decision. It was a writer decision. Um, admittedly, Eileen Heisler, who was the executive producer of the show, she was the one of the two creators of the show, she had very specific, <laughs> I don't want to, well, she had very specific agendas, but she also had, I, I think that there was a bit of a disconnect from what the viewership saw and loved versus what she wanted to tell. Um, and there was some, there were some issues that occurred behind the scenes, uh, like as far as her and her son. And I, and I think he had issues with having certain situations from his life be put into the show, which to me is unfortunate. I, I don't see it as a negative. Um, I, I saw him and his personality only as a positive and, and quite frankly, could have kept going. Um, but I'm in agreement with you. You know, they decided to go the route of making Brick less quirky. And the unfortunate thing is I actually did not like that. Uh, that occurred, and as you said, season one, season two, it's very heavy. Season three, they started to water it down greatly. It kind of came back near the end, but they, they kept him very watered down. And for me, I think that was a very huge mistake. Now, here's the reason why. Brick, from the very beginning, was a character that showed the value and importance and the ability to follow the beat of your own drummer. 
and go forth in life with confidence in that. What ended up happening is he he they made a character that would not really have had that level of confusion be confused. And I think that's the part that that right? Yes, yeah, see, you you even you, you're you got you got it. And mm -hmm. I can tell that you got it. He didn't need to be confused in who he was. He knew who he was. I think, and this is this is where if I could go back and I I magically had a producer credit and I could change one thing. It would be this. He should never have ceased being who he was. He should have learned how to grow in that, staying true to who he was, but still being able to function. And I think that would have been the best message going forward. And there was a little bit of that in the very end of the show, in, the, in that very last scene where we flash forward and we see Brick as an adult. I, I won't spoil it for people. But um, that, to me, would have been the best course of action to have throughout the entirety of the show for that character. It's interesting because I always, when, when I'm watching the show, I, you know, I live with uh, a couple of film guys and, and TV guys. So we're always like just talking about show writing and character development and stuff like that. And I, I see a lot of the emulations in the way between the way that Brick acts and being so confident in who he is in, in the same sense that Mike is so undetermined and so unbothered uh, by everything else. And that right. they, there, I think there was a, a line in the show. It was like, uh, you're sitting with Mike at the couch and he's like, you know what, Brick, you've annoyed me the least this week. And you're like, well, thanks dad. I, right. you know, aside from everybody else, like you and I are the most quiet and like get along the best. Like that's the way yes. it is. And yes. so I think that if they, in the same sense, if you have, uh, Mike be so forthright like you can have that quality start to grow in brick and I think that's what yes. you're getting at right yes that's exactly what I'm getting at because Mike and that was that was such a good point that you made and in that episode you actually reminded me of that scene that is a moment that could have been ex expanded upon throughout the entirety of the show in my opinion, that would have been something where that is where Mike and Brick could have related. Brick is not physical. Brick doesn't do the sports and all that stuff. But what he could have done is taken on Mike's ability to say, eh, I am who I am, and this is this is just how I am. You like me or you don't. Not in a mean way. It's, it's in that matter-of-fact way that I think made it so um, attractive to the audience. And so that definitely could have grown in brick, and that could have that could have developed their relationship. And they did. They 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 decided to instead have Mike and Sue's relationship grow, which to me didn't make sense. Uh, that was something where, while it's great to see the father daughter relationship, and then Mike really, well, Mike and Frankie both how they bond with each of their children. I personally think that um, it, it just they, they, they started to do things, I think, simply to see if they could do them. I'm talking about the writers. They wanted to do right. things simply to see if they could do them as opposed to actually allowing the story naturally unfold and then sit back and go, well, hmm, what what excellent messages could we have here? What's this thing that's been growing? Look at this chemistry between these actors. This could work, etc. Yeah, no, I think that that's something that's really prevalent in our society is that we really value the the status of labor and putting it and associating it with who you are as a person. And I think that there can sometimes be a, a major difference between the the work that somebody does and the person that they are. 
yes. at the end of the day. And I think that you are a prime example of that. Atticus, uh, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show today. Uh, he is on Twitch and YouTube and Instagram and, and Twitter, I presume, at Atticus Schaefer Vlog. Uh, I don't know if you have a Twitter. I just know that those are the three. Uh, yes. And if you would please just describe your general Twitch stream to get people to come out. Uh, ha 30 seconds, how would you describe your stream? 30 seconds. Uh, I'm a Christian. My faith is definitely prevalent. However, that doesn't limit me on a lot of the things that I do or play. Um, very family-friendly content and a very warm and welcoming community has been formed on my Twitch channel. So come on by, hang out with us. I stream every Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday. And uh, I'd love to see you guys there and be able to chat and hang out. All right. Thank you so much, Atticus, again, for doing this. This was just awesome. Thanks again. Oh, thank you so much. Have me back, man. I would love to come back and hang out with you again. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anytime you want. Anytime you want. We'll set this up. This is just so Sweet. much fun, and we can talk about whatever. To hear the full unedited interview, please look on YouTube under Eddie Fitzgerald. You are listening to the Hofstra Morning Wake Up Call on 88.7 FM, Radio Hofstra University. All thoughts and opinions stated here on Hofstra Morning Wake Up Call do not reflect the views of Hofstra University, 88.7 FM, WRHU, as well as its management. All contrasting views can be sent to programming at WRHU.org or to 111 Hofstra University, Hempstead, New York, 11549. Your morning show team will be back right after these updates. Hofstra's Morning Wake Up Call. Morning Wake Up Call. Back again on 88.7 FM, WRHU, Hofstra's morning wake-up call, Long Island Life, national news, international issues. Thank you so much to Atticus Schaefer for sitting down with me, having a great little interview, chatting about the show, his Twitch streams. Lots of fun over there. If you want to hear the full unedited thing, it's over on my YouTube at Eddie Fitzgerald. It's around 30 minutes long. You guys heard around roughly 18 minutes. So if you want to hear almost double that, double the Atticus. Tune in over there. Appreciate you. And Nathan, uh, how you doing? We're about almost halfway through the show. Uh, you living? You doing all right? How's uh, how's the semester been for you? I'm doing all right. Uh, this semester's been busy. It's probably been the busiest semester I've, I've encountered so far, but I'm, I'm only a sophomore, so that's not a surprise. Uh, but a lot of stuff going on, uh, and of course, a lot of morning wake-up call going on on Monday mornings, so I can't be too Absolutely. mad about that. It's a good, it's a good, uh, good little break to just chat on a nice uh, morning. Get your uh, week started right. Yeah, everybody's got the coffee going, maybe a sure. cup of tea. Everybody's, you know, heading to Dunkin' on campus or, or maybe uh, bits and bites, grabbing a smoothie. We appreciate you tuning in, having a great time. A and let's jump into some news of the day because probably the biggest news that people need to watch out for today are the closing arguments for the Kyle Rittenhouse case. That will be delivered today sometime this afternoon. Uh, Mr. Rittenhouse, uh, the arguments are done. So no longer uh, the facts can be disputed in this trial. What has been presented to the jury has been presented to the jury, and that's what they're going to use to make their decision. Uh, this, again, centers on the case in Kenosha, Wisconsin, where at the time, 17-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse uh, is reportedly, uh, not reportedly, uh, admitted to uh, shooting uh, three men to save himself uh, from death or serious injury. Uh, two people were killed and one was injured. 
Um, Mr. Rittenhouse said he went to protect property and provide medical treatment, but things got violent after someone near him fired a gun. Uh, the prosecution had argued that Rittenhouse created a danger by patrolling the protests with his AR-15, which, again, he was 17 at the time, too young to buy for himself. Uh, he drove 30 minutes from Antioch, Illinois, uh, and prosecutors said that was a, uh, a sign that he was ready to commit violence, that he had intent uh, to stir up violence. Uh, he's been charged in this case in six different criminal counts uh, with first-degree reckless homicide, first-degree intentional homicide, and first-degree uh, attempted first-degree intentional homicide, one for each of the victims. Uh, the jury will weigh these charges, but they also could consider lesser ones. We're going to break into that possibility and what avenues, different possibilities on how this trial can break up. Uh, if they get approved by the judge, uh, and, and to further back up and, and give both sides, the defense has argued uh, that the shootings were in self-defense, uh, that Mr. Rosenbaum, the man who was killed at the time, had reached for Mr. Rittenhouse's gun, according to one witness who captured on video pursuing him. There was also another video uh, of, as things started to get more violent and antsy, of Mr. Rittenhouse being hit with a skateboard, uh, earlier, uh, there were also multiple videos that were in there. Nathan, lots to, lots in this trial. It's been going on for weeks. Uh, it's just been, it's been crazy to follow it, to, to, to just see everything unfold on national TV, really. Yeah, it has. And again, to see something like this on national TV is, is definitely, it, it is a privilege for, for, in some cases, because, uh, you can really see, in in sort of a unique uh, way, someone, you know, uh, the chance with the chance to face uh, the consequences. But a seventeen-year-old kid from from what Illinois, um, coming into like you said a volatile pro protest uh, and causing this danger, um, it's definitely going to be interesting to look on. Uh, but so. Are there any first the the first question I have uh, uh, just to make sure I want to clarify mm -hmm. does any like does what is what are the rules for trying a a seventeen year old kid at the time Well, he's eighteen now, exactly, so he can right. be tried as an adult. Okay, so because he wasn't charged until his eighteenth birthday. So like you right. can commit a crime when you're seventeen and then be charged for it when you're eighteen. Uh, He's being charged in the state of Wisconsin as yep. well, so it's uh, so it's a little bit different um, in 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 that case. Um, it's not juvenile court uh, because again he is eighteen, um, and when those like in the cases of like a seventeen-year-old having issues or or committing uh, a crime. If they're turning eighteen soon, they'll be tried as an adult because you can't be in a juvenile correctional center uh, once you're once you're past eighteen. I'm sure there are eighteen year olds in there who are still a part of like just like in the system. Right. You know what I mean? Naturally, yeah, exactly. but uh, that the rule is that once you turn eighteen, you're you're in, you're no longer allowed in juvenile detention. So um, that's sort of the the way it goes there. Back to a couple of the videos that, that I was talking about before. 
there has been a lot of controversy over over the judge, uh, over the prosecution, uh, over the defense. You know, there was on Thursday and Wednesday a lot of people were talking about Kyle's testimony. He w- he took the stand on Wednesday, um, and he faced answers from he he faced questions from prosecutors, and the prosecution took a video or took. Uh, side by side or it took a photo or had a photo in there admitted to evidence after the uh, after he had just committed those acts uh, whether or not they were in self-defense we cannot claim because that has not been decided by the jury Um, but there was a photo of him that had surfaced uh, at a bar afterwards in Wisconsin before he went home uh standing with another man and he is holding up a um what many would describe as a uh, a white power symbol uh they also the prosecution tried to admit a video from the past where Rittenhouse had been violent towards a couple of females in a parking lot with a, uh, another group of men um and this group of men uh were antagonizing these women reportedly and then one of these women slapped uh, either Mr. Rittenhouse or the man that he was with and then within that video uh, the men start to like gang up on the two women and uh, violence breaks out in the parking lot however it could not be admitted within this trial Nathan because the judge heard a claim from the pro- from the defense that when you zoom in on a video because you are worsening the resolution you are therefore changing or altering the original image and therefore if it can't be admitted within its original state to claim because they want to zoom in to claim that it's written house so that we, you can see his face and it, the the video is taken from a distance because it was taken from like a bystander's position who right. saw like a, a fight brewing and what do we do in our society we film like whenever we see that you know um, and that couldn't be admitted because the judge said that he he didn't know how that technology worked uh, and thus did it would on the basis of that alone would probably say that he's going to refuse that evidence interesting so the fact that he said he he didn't know how this technology worked that immediately that that brings up a red flag for me because should, probably <laughs> um just because i mean you're you have the ultimate power in this in this situation you know you're deciding the fate of not just an 18-year-old who, who is is up for trial for for violence at a, at a protest. You're up for the precedent uh, that that sets. That's a great point because the argument that the defense is making, and then I'll let you finish, is that you know you can go anywhere, and if somebody attacks you or is aggressive towards you that gives you full authority to kill them meaning that like you or i 
could go to like Jersey and then like start yelling about like, oh, Jersey's terrible. You guys lost the Nets. Ha ha. Like, you know, and then if somebody were to, to come up to us and then let's say like antagonize us or threaten violence against us, let's say even strike one of us, uh, we would then have the license to, I, to, to kill them or attempt to kill them. And that is the precedent that is being that is being discussed here. I think on a on a bigger level. Yeah, exactly. And it is a scary precedent precedent, uh, in that. And you know, I, I mean, it's up for discussion whether that's um, something we want to consider uh, going forward. Uh, and I mean. It's it's just it's it's just a scary. But I like to to have the license to kill for something that's done verbally, right? Or or physically is is a right. it is tough. I think that you know again if we're if we're looking at this from a from a self defense perspective, um, we can go back to again another moment in this trial where Kyle is on the stand taking questions from prosecution. Uh, He's asked about why he chose the AR-15 as opposed to a pistol. And he said right. because it looked cool uh, as opposed to the pistol. And he thought that it wouldn't be lawful for him to carry. He wouldn't be allowed, l- allowed lawfully to carry the pistol were, were two of his quotes. Right. And he, he was then asked, did he know what magazines or what bullets were in there? And he said, I knew that they were 223 because I had to, to had to load them into the mag- magazine. 223 FMJ is what he said. And the prosecution then said, well, then did you know what those bullets were capable of? And then he said, and I quote, well, I believe a bullet's a bullet, so... And like that's what he, that's that's the quote. The end quote that's the end. So. That's the end. That's, that, uh, that was the that was the clip. I don't know if that was his full end of right, context okay. quote, but that was how he started that statement at the very least. Wow. Yes. Okay. Um, lots of lots of interesting things to break down in there. But uh, uh, let's go down some of the avenues as well uh, after we've uh, sort of talked about some of the spicier points of this uh of this trial let's talk about how this is going to end because we are at closing arguments today uh once again all thoughts and opinions stated here on hofstra's morning wake-up call do not reflect those of 88.7 fm radio hofstra university the board of trustees as well as hofstra university so don't get it twisted and, and you can send all uh issues yeah any thoughts opinions comments questions to either WRHU morning wake up call at gmail.com or programming at WRHU.org. Uh, both of those will work and somebody will get back to you. That being said, let's focus on some of the avenues because there, the, def- uh, the defense has, uh, in cases, called for a mistrial. The prosecution in cases has called for a mistrial. And some, in uh, many cases, think that. You know, the jury might let this guy go free. That, like, he he might not accept, uh, like, that he might just walk and that there might not be any consequences or that there might be a mistrial uh, and not a full consensus decision and then things continue to go 
haywire from there. So right. I, I don't know what's what's more likely at this point. If you, where, what avenue do you want to delve into first? Well, the, in the event that he walks, right? In the event that he does walk, uh, I'm sure that Kenosha will see a large, large, not only protest within the city, but um, an influx of people again protesting uh, and exercising their First Amendment. Um, which, of course, the city has come out and, and, you know, we said that they will respect that, of course. Um, but, you know, it, it, again, it brings more uh, more of an environment for other similar things to happen that happened on, on the um, on the, the date that we're <laughs> discussing in the trial. You know, yeah, exactly. It, it's a it's a it's a tricky situation. Once again, uh, closing arguments will be around this afternoon. There's a lot of different avenues this thing can go down. Yeah. Let's talk about uh, a different story today. Still a little bit uh, developing from last week. Astro World, Nathan, you want to take us into that one? Yeah. So with Astro World, the tenth person uh, has been announced uh, dead, and that is the the youngest as well, the nine year old boy Ezra Blunt. Ezra Blunt um, after the Astroworld concert, after uh, sustaining injuries from the mosh pit. Uh, he was with his father at the time, and he died in the hospital. And he reportedly fell off his father's shoulders um, in, the, in the crowd in the mosh pit and was trampled subsequently, uh, which, again, he sustained injuries and, and later died in the hospital. I think this was Saturday this happened. And the family has filed a $1 million lawsuit against Travis Scott and Live Nation, uh, both the organizers of Astro World Festival uh, and their constituents uh, that they hired, uh, which includes Drake, who is also up for um, liability. Uh, liability, exactly, uh, as, as someone who, is belie- who has been believed to incite some of the violence and uh, uh, tragedy that happened. Uh, on the day of the, the, the festival. And uh, there are still many more people uh, in the hospital with injuries, both threatening and non-threatening after this concert, after this festival. And according to Scott's lawyer, Travis Scott hasn't left his home uh, since the night of the festival, uh, since the night of the, of the tragedy. And I'm, uh, it is reported, I'm trying to remember if that is, I, I don't think I've, I've remembered him leaving his home since then. I know he went to Dave and Buster's. Yeah, after, I was just about to say. Right, after the festival. Um, and that's when he reportedly, again, reportedly, initially heard about the incident at, at the festival. Um, and then, of course, we got the Instagram video, uh, which I want to hear your thoughts about because, uh, you know, I mean, on Instagram, for uh, probably, obviously his, his choice of, um, of medium, but... Uh, you know what he. Well, you gotta love said. the Instagram apology, the yeah. Instagram story apology. Right, I know. It's gotta go away in twenty four hours. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so no, my uh, my my thoughts on this the Astro World Festival situation. I talked about this on Friday show. Once again, I'm uh, producer over on the Friday show, so here me and Sibyl Reto every Friday. But uh, quickly on this Astro World uh, situation, like I said. Um, you know, I think that there's the case to, to hold Travis liable, but I think it's going to be a mostly conjunction thing. Like, I think it's going to be a conglomerate that gets sued right. uh, out of this. Like, I think it's going to be Scott, Live Nation, um, 
you know, coordinating teams, security, the the security detail that was uh, that has like a branded company on it, the private organization that owns that, um, NRG Stadium, uh, you know, those those facilities, everything, because every part of this event was conducive to being dangerous, right? Like from the thousands of people who probably hopped the fence to be there and trampled people just to get into the event, uh, from the 50,000 who were there in a space that was not designed well enough to fit them and more conducive to VIPs. Right. Um, and because if the if we're looking at the setup of the of the festival, there was a, a a barrier down the middle where like security could go, and the VIP section was in the back that like people could like walk up and down like to the stage. They could go like you know around, and right. as the festival went on, that's when security EMS. That's when everybody was starting to get dragged out of, and people just started like trying to jump over the railing to to get out of. And so again, I think you know the design comes into it, but then. You know, Travis also has some blame because this is not new behavior from him, right? Like, if we're going to to just the first song off of Astro World and Stargazing, uh, um, he says, it ain't a mosh pit if there ain't no injuries, and I got him stage diving out the nosebleeds. And that's in reference to Terminal 5 in Brooklyn where a man is paralyzed now because yeah. he jumped off the balcony at the Travis show. Now, I've been to a Travis show before. I went to Astro World's tour. I love Travis, I, but I think that, like, at a certain point, he didn't realize that his audience changed after he started doing a lot more sponsored content. That's very true. That's uh, another thing I wanted to talk about is what, what kind of person, so to speak, that created. Uh, and it's not so much a person as a persona. Mm-hmm. Uh, that everyone is following, you, you know, the, the phenomenon that's created by his, his content with, with McDonald's, with uh, Nike, with... Fortnite. With Fortnite. I would be remiss if I didn't mention yeah, Fortnite. Yeah, gotta mention Fortnite. Uh, you know, because that's, that's a major market that's tapping into the young, mark, the young uh, demographic, uh, you know, that captures 9-year-olds to, to 15-year-olds like Ezra Blunt. That's perhaps what created this um, mixture this mixture of people um, and, and of course the tragedy that I've, again I would be remiss if I didn't mention the magnitude of the tragedy and how awful that this all is Absolutely. Um, but uh, again it, it's almost like at that point it's almost like a, a cult following where, where these people are doing unimaginable things to simply experience um, getting near Travis Scott or, or, or just listening to his music live for, for once. I, I mean, that that's all, that all sounds fun and great, but I mean, again, what's it all? What does it all come down to in the end? You know, yeah, I mean, you're paying money for right. a safe experience. You're paying money to experience what he wants you to experience, and ultimately, this comes down to. The audience now and his fan base feels neglected that by their safety. That like Travis ultimately didn't care about their safety. I had, uh, and I also think that this tragedy can be looked at um, from the perspective of people who were there. I actually know my friend's brother was there with his 
a couple of his college buddies. They yeah, went yeah. all the way from California I had to and see flew down. Um, that I knew there as well. But I'll, I'm sure we do all of that that one person. But. Exactly, and, and so what? But what they described to me was interesting. They were in the back. They didn't like really see anything. Right. But they were just there for the show. They had a good time, and then they left. And then they saw in the news that people were being taken to the hospital and like dying. Like they saw like EMS, and they just assumed that like people passed out right. and, and things like that. They didn't know people were getting trampled. But then like you see videos of like people deep into the crowd. And, like, people are, like, screaming. And, like, I saw the one video of, like, Travis performing. And then, like, somebody, like, in the background is like, yeah, this guy died five songs ago. We got to hurry. We got to get him out of here. Like, you know what I mean? Like, wow. it's, like, it, it was nightmarish to different points. And so, like, to that effect, I understand where Travis could maybe be coming from. But on the whole, you are the performer on stage. If you are seeing that people are screaming for help, or if that their your entourage told you before you went on stage, which was reported as well, that there were p- a couple of people who came up to him and told him that maybe this wasn't a good idea because people were already starting to pass out from he- heat exhaustion and right. and things like that. People camped out at this thing. They were there all day. It was supposed to be a two day festival. Like right, yeah. You're supposed to be safe at these things. It's interesting that you mentioned that that the entourage that his entourage uh, perhaps said that. It wasn't a good idea because that was the first day of the festival. There was supposed to be a whole other day, of course, that got canceled, um, and which included uh, what SZA didn't didn't mm. perform. Yep, uh, Lil Durk. Yeah, a couple of a couple of big names. A couple of big names are hanging out with Travis, uh, but like this is just really going to impact him for a while until he can do something. And I don't know how you make your type of music again after this. Like, how do you how do you write about raging? Right. Uh, I think, I, I mean, it's honestly, I don't care about like what happens to Travis, like uh, with his music, like at right. this point, like it's more about the families and like the course, like everything like that. But, like, but yeah. it is interesting, like what is he gonna have this sort of realization that you know, obviously has more power than he think he does. Yeah, and a wider um, audience too. Oh, exactly. And the way that you described his lyrics uh, off of Stargazing, you know. I've heard that line a million times, but I've never bothered to to connect it to this incident. And, and, it's, and it's interesting that you made me come to that realization because maybe people all around the world are coming to that realization that maybe, wow, I didn't really listen to his lyrics. You just uh, enjoyed the vibes. Exactly. And, and that's the case with a lot of rap music. You don't, you just, you listen to it for the vibes. Yeah. You know? I, and, and that's where... I, I mean, it's not like hip hop's a bad thing, like or anything not. like that, or or that it like, you know. I think that it, when you have power, you have influence. You, freaking Uncle Ben, man, with great power comes great responsibility. Spider Man, come exactly. on, right, Peter exactly. Parker, let's get it. <laughs> like, nevertheless, eighty-eight point seven FM WRHU, Hot Morning Wake Up Call. We have final ten minutes of the show, Nathan. You know we've been talking about this before the show. Uh, it's time to tell you about my my boar obsession. Uh, the boars are a problem, folks. The boars are a problem. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about loose wild hogs and boars that are roaming and ravaging the United States, Europe, Asia, India, other parts of the globe, uh, and when I said Asia, I was mainly referencing East Asia in that uh, uh, in that area. Um, 
and then of course uh, you know Southern Asia with the uh, with India and and in parts of the Philippines as well. Um, they are either destroying your agriculture, eating up all your crops, wrecking your crops, uh, wrecking your soil. They are either radioactive and you can no longer eat them in your goulash. They are taking over cities and you can't get back into your home uh, that you had to abandon. And now you, your city is gone to the boars. And the government is now sending in hunting squads after these boars. Uh, there have been 43-mile fences placed up in cities along borders to prevent these wild hogs that have also carried a variety of diseases as well, such as African swine beaver. Nathan, when I first told you about my boar obsession with boar news, how do you feel? Uh, well, I, I definitely rethought my, my outlook on you as a person. <laughs> That's for sure. How so? How so? Uh, is somebody, you know, is I it a good or a bad outlook now? Uh, you know, it's a mixture of both. Okay. But more so good than bad. Don't right, worry excellent, about it. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, but I am curious. The, the, most, the most curious I've ever been in my life. What, what, how did this boar obsession come to be? So it was high school and wow uh, more deep rooted than i thought yeah well i mean like some of these stories are coming out like 2017 so like late 2017 is when i like see the first boar story and then a couple come out in 2018 and so then i start joking around with people about the boars like i'm like the boars are coming they're coming (laughs) for you and then like you know i go to florida for a couple of days or for a couple of weeks um and spend time with my family down there, and I hear right. about all their hog problems and their feral hogs that they have to deal with. Wow. How my uncle, my my great uncle, had to shoot one of them in the backyard because it was going to get too bad. Like, and yeah. they can't do anything with it because it's so heavy, and like the meat is like like. Uh, I, anyway, um, they uh, like so again. It all feeds into like this this narrative, and I thought it was really funny at first. But the more that I read boar stories, the more that I realize that, like, these things are, like, extremely dangerous and they breed extremely rapidly and they can be extremely aggressive. Like, they attacked Shakira and stole her purse this year. Right, I heard about that. That's that's something. The boars, man. The circumstances under which that happened, though, were extraordinary yes 100 percent. it's not going to happen to everybody <laughs> right like, i'm not so saying important. it's like less than a million that you like get attacked by a boar but when you're one in that million oh boy <laughs> it's it's okay so here's my thing it's not that like i'm like the boars are coming for you and for you specifically like we should all be watching out for these feral pigs that that are that are wrecking uh, that are going to come after you and your families and, like, eat you. Right. Like, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that over time, these hogs and these boars will become too much and start to overrun people. Like, they trample people when they when they attack. Like, it, it, it's so many, and there's, like, hundreds of them that swarm. They hunt in packs. Uh, and, and once again, I'll point to a, just... Just a few days ago in, in New Orleans, we were talking right. about this before, wild hogs cost 
$76 million every year from the State Wildlife Department in Louisiana alone. And that's due to the agricultural damages that these feral hogs cause. Uh, we can go elsewhere and say that the Rome, uh, there was a, a mayor in Rome last month who sues the regional government over the uncontrolled wild boars in the Italian capital. And there was a boar invasion in that capital city of Rome. It killed a lot of livestock. And there was a, it was just a plague of boars. It, it, it's starting to become rampant. The, the situations in Russia and Japan where the boars have been subjected to radioactive material in the right. Czech Republic due to Chernobyl. Uh, and the meat then becomes radioactive. The half-life of it is 30 years. So we're talking generations upon generations of radioactive hogs breeding. That's terrifying. That's absolutely terrifying. And, and you know, in a way, I don't mean to stoke up fear. Like, I'm not saying they're coming for you, but I'm saying it's a problem. The boys are a problem. You're right. And I'm, I'm very happy you brought this up as a, as, a, as a problem we have not only in the United States with what was happening in New Orleans, but in the entire world. And it's a very extraordinary uh, occurrence uh, in these, in these uh, areas where radioactivity is present. Um, and it's just one of the ways that it can get into the ecosystem. And, and we're seeing yet another effect of, of Chernobyl and of, a radio, of radioactivity seeping into, into wildlife. And this is what can happen. You can have... Um, you know, something that was an outlet for food for a community now is completely shut off. Um, and that's been the case for, for a while now. And it will be the case that, like you said, for generations to come as these boars slowly, you know, exponentially decay. Um, the, what is it? Cesium-137 uh, out of, their, out of their, um, their systems. But, I mean... As for the United States, what's happening in New Orleans, that's a, that's a community that relies heavily on agriculture. Mm -hmm. So I, I understand uh, the urgency of this, uh, of this situation, and I hope, uh, I hope everyone understands the urgency of the, of the situation. And it's, it, it is uh, pretty unique, something you definitely don't hear about uh, a lot. So uh, thank you, You're very Eddie. Welcome. You're very welcome. For, for, for bringing attention to this. And listen, this is human history right here. There oh, are yeah. cave, cave, cave paintings back in India that showcase boar attacks in human history. Right. A and this is something that people have been dealing with for a while. It's just we've been able to control it through a nice hunting population. But as, like, you know, we, we, we haven't been hunting as much, and as species start to adapt, it, it gets... It, it gets a lot tougher. Uh, Texas, Florida, South Carolina each have higher percentages of boar attacks every single year. Those spikes right. end up uh, becoming higher in the months of January, October, April, and November, so around those seasonal uh, moments. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm, um, sure, I'm sure it correlates with the boar population, right? Exactly. And, of course, back in 2016, I have to mention that ISIS militants were attacked and crushed and killed by a wild boar stampede. Wow, I never knew this. Yes. The boars are a problem even for ISIS. I, 
I don't know what uh, what what else to say really <laughs> more about this. It, it, it's just been so much fun hopping on the morning wake up call with you, Nathan. I any final thoughts, opinions? How you feeling? You good? We're at nine o'clock. We are at nine o'clock. It happened so quickly, but I'm so happy we got through this show. It was uh, great having the show with you today. Uh, you know, I'll just great, great to have you on. I mean, and and of course, well, with the wild boar situation. Um, that's best of luck to you in it. Yeah, best of luck. And I'll to you. see you on the other side of the <laughs> boar war, man. It's a great filter, man. A great filter. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Nathan Ritchie. I'm Eddie Fitzgerald. In the words of my father, go be good out there. Go learn something, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I'll see you on Friday. Catch Nathan next week. Off the charts is next.